Welcome to Stock Gamblers from Hershey, Pennsylvania, in the land of Antique Auto. I am George Howell. And live from Wallingford, the land of really nice, affordable residential homes, I'm Chris Carbonara. <laughs> We What's are up? stock gamblers. <laughs> we are stock gamblers. <laughs> wanted, to, wanted to explain like my it's... little lead-in real quick. Um, this week, okay. this week right here in Hershey, Pennsylvania, is Hell Week. This is when they have the uh, Antique Auto. And to explain oh. Antique Auto, uh, it's the AACA, I think, Hershey Antique you can tell how prepared I was to talk about this. This just kind of, of rolled off. It's AACA Museum. Um, so it's the Antique Auto something something. Very good. Awesome. Okay. Sounds, so Yeah. Sounds good. Every year in Hershey in October, usually like the first week in October, they have Antique Auto. It's happened my entire life. It's gone on for forever. It is the mm -hmm. largest car gathering of antique cars in the United States, maybe the world. So they have, uh, if you're not familiar with Hershey, they have Hershey Park, and there's a huge parking lot. It's just like miles of paved surface that they bring in all these antique cars, and you can just walk around. You can buy cars, you can trade cars, you can just look at cars. It is just a nightmare of cars everywhere. And I don't say that as I don't say that to diminish what they're doing. It's actually a really cool thing. But just every year, you know, there's like 150,000 people now in this tiny town that fills mm -hmm. up the gills. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't go to a restaurant. You can't walk outside. You can't do anything but like go see antique cars or, or shop at a yard sale because this is when everyone saves up all their crap for the entire year to dump it out in the lawn and try to sell it. Mm -hmm. So the mm -hmm. only choice you have is to hide in your home for this week. So sorry for the long story, but that that's that. Is that happening to be coinciding with any other events in Hershey that makes it even worse? Is there anything else going on besides the park, besides Halloween coming Some, up? Sometimes Halloween, definitely. There's definitely a clash with that. Uh, every now and then they'll have like a double event kind of a thing, but not normally. Normally, like every now and then there will be like a concert or something stupid like that. They'll totally screw everything up. Mm -hmm. But last couple of years, they've gotten pretty good about it. Oh, it sounds like it would be a fun thing if if I didn't have to worry about parking and all that fun stuff. But <laughs> right, I stress I stress in advance about stuff like that. If I'm going so, to an uh, event weeks out, I'm like, oh yeah, 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 it's gonna suck. Parking. Oh be yeah, terrible. yeah. I have to figure out how to get there, uh, how to get home. I don't want to drive through all this, but speaking of driving, uh, both of us did oh, go no. out of town for this past weekend. How was uh, how was your trip? Well, I had the uh, distinct opportunity to, my wife and I brought my daughter out to uh, Manesson, Pennsylvania to start school at the Tom Savini School of Hollywood Special Effects. Um, I don't know how familiar everybody is with Pennsylvania, but... The ride from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh is one of the most boring, one of the worst rides. I'd rather drive up to Boston, to be honest with you, than make that ride out to Pittsburgh because it's so just it's really boring. It's really funny because where I live is like in between Philly and Pittsburgh. Going right. to Philly is kind of interesting. Going to Pittsburgh mm -hmm. is super boring. 
The only thing is you have to stay on your toes, though. It's not so boring right. that it's one road because then you hit those 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 valleys and the car goes zoop, and you go you literally go downhill for like 10 miles. So you just sit there ooh, doo, 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 going downhill and then you got to go uphill for like another five miles. And then you have these long these curves. I never saw the turnpike do that before. Once you get out in that area, there's all these S curves, and so you don't see what's around the around the corner when you're going around there. And what four tunnels you got to go through? Four to four tunnels, yeah. I was just gonna say, and there's four tunnels. One of them has an amazing leak going through it, where water is just flowing down the entire side of the tunnel. I thought that was by design. That's not by design. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not by design. That's not like uh, you know to to calm our nerves when we're stuck in traffic. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, but it is just... beautiful. It is really. Out Western Pennsylvania is strikingly beautiful. Actually, the whole state of Pennsylvania is strikingly beautiful. Any state that has a lot of trees and a lot of leaves this time of year, you know, Vermont, Pennsylvania, Maine, you know, West Virginia, they always talk about how beautiful they are. And they are. I mean, I'm and, simple. And, I, I like foliage. And the one end of Pennsylvania looks completely different from the other end of Pennsylvania. Yes, yes. It's like kind of flat. Maybe some hills here and there to like full-on mountains when you get to the western side. So you were but out by anyway. Pennsylvania, which which I I love because or out by Pittsburgh, which I love because your daughter grew up in Philly and you have a strong affinity for Philly, and now your mm-hmm. daughter's in Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, I can't see, wait for her to switch teams. It wouldn't be – it's not that bad of a thing because I, I softened my stance years and years of living at Penn State, so – about 50% of your friends that you meet up there are from Western PA. The other 50% are from Eastern PA, so to speak, you know. So you just talk trash all the time. You know, it's just normal. <laughs> you know, you talk right. trash. I personally have nothing against Pittsburgh. The only thing I don't like are the Pittsburgh Penguins. I like the Steelers. I don't really care about the Pirates too much. So really, it's more shtick than anything else. Well, the, but the Pirates aren't fun. a threat. It's, it's still fun to say Schittsburg. Well, I also, I don't like baseball either, so. <laughs> right. <gasps> oh, no. Did I just say something wrong? <laughs> we are in America, right? We are in America. Ah! I, I do love baseball, though. I don't. I mean, I don't. I could see the value of going to a game, but I can't watch it on TV. I love I love the predictable. I love the predictability of the Pirates, which, by the way, is like one of the best baseball fields ever. Um, you watching a game there, you get that. to you get to stare at the city the entire time. It's just gorgeous. But I love the predictability of the Pirates, where they're That's they're going to be terrible, they're going to be absolutely horrific, and I I'm prepared for that, and I'm I'm ready for it every year. I don't think they were a contender once in my lifetime. Not that I know of. La- I can't remember. Last time I remember them doing anything was like with Andy Van Slyke in the '90s. So it's been like forever. Okay. All right. I was alive then. I think. So. Right. They had Barry Bonds <laughs> then. So if that gives you any oh, idea. Oh right, yeah 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 yeah. yeah. That was the whole steroid error that I kind of <laughs> right. ignored. So anything of... Like I don't <laughs> take steroids! His head's this big, you know. <laughs> right. So anything of note uh, for your trip that you want to talk about? Nothing except that the first day of orientation in school, my daughter slept through it all. Because nobody was there to wake her up. Boo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to say. Yeah, you're you're paying My for your daughter to, to sleep through class. <laughs> that was a really expensive nap she had. That was about a three hundred dollar <laughs> nap. <laughs> I don't know. She'll she'll get it together. I hope. 
If not, at least it's not a four-year degree she's dumping down the tubes, just a, a year and a half. <laughs> right. So I, uh, I went up to Massachusetts, and to sum up my trip there, I did a full day of work, and I had a, uh, a ribbon-cutting ceremony. So uh, uh, to answer everyone's question I had never known before, that yes, they do bring out really gigantic scissors when they cut a ribbon to open up okay. a, a road or a bridge or something like that. Uh, I went right from there to um, to the car and, and packed up my wife, got in the car. I had, like, junk food all day, just complete trash. Um, in New York, the only place for me to stop was Taco Bell. So I, I stuffed <laughs> everything down with, with a burrito. And... Uh, and then it started to do hellacious rain for the entire trip up. So there's like hurricane-like rain coming in from off the coast and just dumping down on everything. And every jerk on the planet is getting in the fast lane going 40 miles an hour, making everyone weave in and out. So there were like 14 accidents the whole way up. Oh, God. Just creating all this crap and... And then, you know, you're sitting in the car and you're all tensed up. So every every muscle in your body is locking up and compre- compressing everything that you've had to eat into a diamond or, or a lump <laughs> of coal. <laughs> so I finally I finally get up to Massachusetts. I know where this is going. <laughs> I get to my friend's house and they, oh, no. they set me up in a, a basement suite with a room and a bathroom. Um, and it is a retrofitted toilet which means it has an up flush so it is working against gravity to get rid of all mm-hmm. the waste in it and no one told me anything about it about how you shouldn't <laughs> use it for any specific thing and uh oh, no. i i took care of business and had to right. deal with the aftermath so if you're if was you're like ever wondering no it was not <laughs> but if you're not like a bidet no not like a bidet so if you're ever in a situation where you're you have a toilet on an up flush, you're fighting gravity there. Do not do not use that for solid waste. That that, that is all I have to say. Oh no, your tingle button got damaged. Oh, I'm sorry. I I completely <laughs> wrecked their bathroom. I had to make a I had to make a trip out to a dollar twenty five tree to buy <laughs> instruments to to clean everything up. Oh my god. Oh, that's. So I'm that, glad that happened to you because that would have sounded like oh, something yeah. that I would have done. <laughs> right, right. I'd have been like, yeah, you would. You would think someone say, oh, by the way, don't uh, don't poop in the basement. You know, like, I'm gonna say, don't jiggle the handle, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> It'll run all night if you jiggle the handle. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Don't. That's a serious thing not to. Uh, yeah. That's like saying, oh, we only have hot water, by the way, for this yeah, show. Yeah. Don't only don't clog water. up my toilet with your crap and then have to fish it out later. Oh God! Don't don't say that. <laughs> anyway, oh, get the business before I lose my crap. <laughs> yeah, we really do. All right. So to recap from I, I... last week, what? No, go ahead. Uh, okay. To recap from last week, uh, the Federal Reserve during its 18-month campaign to reduce inflation encountered a balance between stabilizing prices and a potential downcline in the labor market. Traditional economic insights implied that to control inflation, the central bank would have to decelerate the economy, resulting in increased unemployment, 
Despite multiple interest rate hikes since March 2020, inflation rates have diminished and the U.S. unemployment rate remains remarkably low at 3.8%. The sustained strength of the labor market, contrary to expectations, prompts economists to reconsider the established belief that labor market weakening is essential to reinstate price stability. Factors such as fiscal stimulus, increased labor participation, and a booming small business environment have countered the predictive negative impacts of Fed policies. Despite recent uncertainties, the U.S. labor market remains resilient, challenging conventional economic paradigms. So, so in other words, they don't—they don't know what they're doing—is what, they, what that says. <laughs> that is the theme of this entire show. <laughs> no one knows what they're doing. Everyone keeps talking a bunch of crap. Yeah, things and, just... uh, yeah the, it goes up the, when they say it's going to go down. It goes down when they say it's going to go up. Um, the economy's still strong. Everyone wants to work. Uh, there's there's no people to hire, and we can't do anything to manipulate it in doing anything different. And if we do something, it's going to make it worse. But wait a minute, it's getting better. Well, if we do more, then it's going to make it worse. No, wait, it's getting a little but, bit better than that. Yeah, be- better is worse, and worse is better, and yeah, it's... Man, I so do you know? Do you know how hard this is screwing everything up for me? Like, do you know how hard it is to come up with a stock pick when this crap keeps on happening? The experts exactly. can't even figure out how the economy is doing. No, I mean you might as well just you might as well just uh, I don't know put random put pick random picks into uh, right AI or something right. It's like talking about Tesla stock. Oh yeah, th- this week here, this is the week all the experts are saying Tesla's gonna go, gonna go in the tank. We need to, we need to sell short, and it keeps on going mm-hmm. up. Right. So basically, listen to us. At least you're gonna have fun. <laughs> all right. You're gonna lose turn. the same amount of money with us. Oh, my turn. Political turmoil. We all love political turmoil including the end of Kevin McCarthy's tenure as House Speaker, coincided with a notable market sell-off, although analysts don't consider it the main cause. The Dow Jones Industrial Average faced a drop of more than 430 points, erasing its gains for 2023, following a rise in Treasury yields, while continued congressional dysfunction is contributing to market instability. Amid these developments, there is an 80% chance of a government shutdown by mid-November, if we even have a speaker then, with potential increased market volatility anticipated for the subsequent three months, impacting sectors such as defense, semiconductors, and healthcare. So you brought up exactly where I was going with this. We were up against a government shutdown. They signed a temporary thing for 45 days to bring us through this. The last time that they tried to elect a speaker, it took, what, a week, two weeks? 15 votes right so uh 45 days ends up in november that's up against the holiday season when everyone in congress goes screwing off for the holidays Mm -hmm. um however long it takes for them to find a speaker is going to push everything up into the point where i would think it would be pretty urgent to work even harder to try to avoid a government shutdown because all of that you takes so much that. time. So we, we might not have an acting government through the holidays. If, uh, if everyone under all, if all the right circumstances come up and collide. Fascinating. I mean, if it wasn't so frightening, <laughs> right? Cause, cause that is something that will drive all stock into the crapper. 
Um, you know what I'm tired of hearing? What's that? Uncharted territory. Every time something happens politically, we're in uncharted territory. Like, yeah, I was, oh, we got nine indictments. We're uncharted territory. Oh, we, we just lost our speaker. It's never happened before. We're in uncharted territory. I was listening to an interview with a, a journalist, and the name of the journalist is John Stossel. And John Stossel said, <laughs> like Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, uh, he said that the big gripe of his is when people say unprecedented that okay. that's unprecedented and it's like well no it's not unprecedented we've had we have a pretty long history we've like, had precedent you might not be aware of it you might not have lived through it but it's probably pretty precedented kind of like when people were saying again not to be too controversial oh my god 9-11 was the worst thing that's ever happened to this country it was a horrible thing and then world war ii vets are going oh what about pearl harbor that was uh you know that was right, pretty bad right. i lived through that yeah <laughs> So it's, yeah. it's like about, I guess it's relative to you, or it's, it's all subjective. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, on to the stock news. Uh, Birkenstock Holdings Limited has detailed its upcoming initial public offering IPO, planning to offer 32.3 million shares priced between 44 wow. and $49 each. If priced at the upper limit, the German sandal maker would raise $1.58 billion, valuing the company at $9.2 billion. Of the shares, the company offers $10.8 million, with the remaining $21.5 million sold by existing shareholders. The company aims to list on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker Burke and has appointed Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, and Morgan Stanley as the leading underwriters. Uh, proceeds from the IPO will be utilized to repay debt, and the offering is anticipated to launch following the company's roadshow this week. So I'm, in I'm shock. me, I, me too. Like, who would have thought <laughs> that the sandal maker for the hippies is going to IPO at? Well, you know, they make a fine product. First of all, I love Birkenstocks. Um, I didn't think I would. All right, little inside, little insider information here. Back in the day, in the 90s and early 2000s, when I worked for QVC, I was getting $90 Birkenstocks for $5 a pair at, like, buyer sample sales. So wow, like, these things are ugly, but at least let me try them. And then I tried <laughs> them, and I'm like, man, these things are great. So I definitely can understand their value. I just had no idea it wasn't already a publicly traded company. So Birkenstocks to your generation is like Crocs to my generation. Yeah, but they're not as ugly. No, they're they're both pretty it. ugly. They are. They are. Yeah. There's a, a really. I'm like I can't say it here. I'll tell you later. <laughs> My sister has a really <laughs> negative name for him, but. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's crazy. Like first that they they hadn't IPO'd before, and and second that you know they're like I said, all all the hippies, you know, like that that was their go-to shoe, and that they're that expensive and. Uh, trying to raise that much money but but have you seen them though because in the last 20 years they've really they've almost gone like crocs they've made all these kind of crazy wild designs and they're not just the flat hippie birkenstocks they're not your mom's birkenstocks <laughs> they're definitely yeah, a different type of product now i've heard that they have different designs and i heard that um the new one that is in 
is um, the the Boston clog. The Boston clog okay. is the one that is supposedly the um, the the one that is uh, in vogue at the moment. Is that from them? Yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, I say it's not bad looking. Has a little bit of a Brian sure. May look to it, you know. <laughs> and Dr. May always wore his clogs all the way up through to the 80s, but it kind of had, but they're 158 bucks, though, man. Yeah. They're not cheap, but they will last. They'll last at least 20 years. Uh, they better. <laughs> For that price, right. Where are we? Oh, okay. Shall we move on? U.S. stock index futures saw a significant uptick on Sunday night following Congress's decision on Saturday to prevent a government shutdown. Dow Jones Industrial Average futures surged by about 0.6% and gains were also observed in S&P 500 and the NASDAQ 100 futures. The upturn came after Congress passed a 45-day bipartisan interim spending bill on Saturday night, temporarily averting a government shutdown. However, this decision jeopardized the position of House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, Rep. Mac Getz of Florida expressed intentions to oust McCarthy for not upholding commitment made with staunch Republicans. This is, of course, the threat of which he followed through on. Reflecting on these events, Stephen Sines of SPI Asset Management noted that investors initially reacted with relief. He also mentioned that as policymakers postpone the final decision, market focus might shift from the economic implications of a shutdown towards a more hawkish Federal Reserve. So this is all intertwined with the earlier article about our buddy, Mr. McCarthy. Yeah, Matt Gates got him out, and um, this is going to affect the market for sure. I, I don't want to get too far into – go ahead. No, we don't, have, we don't have to really be political. It's just a question of like how other people are affecting our stocks. <laughs> right, right. People, that aren't, people who aren't directly connected with our stocks, like not the CEO of the company, you know, not a competitor – just yep. people doing their own thing are affecting our, our returns. Yeah. That, that's enough to be pissed at, I think. McDonald's Corp. states that while over 800,000 people work in U.S. restaurants, the majority of these employees, approximately 95%, work in franchise locations and are employed by franchise owners, not McDonald's directly. The National Labor Relations Board, NLRB, is set to redefine the term joint employer which determines when a company holds joint responsibility for another business's employees. If this rule passes, it would be easier to make franchisors accountable in labor disputes and involve them in union negotiations. This could change potentially hold large corporations like McDonald's responsible for labor law violations. McDonald's warns that proposal might severely disrupt the franchise model as the company has historically been separate from franchisee employment matters. Meanwhile, the, uh, the International Franchise Association is mobilizing to oppose the rule through legislative channels and legal action, emphasizing that changing the foundation of the franchise system at this stage would be unfair. The rule's outcome could, sub- could have substantial ramifications for the labor landscape and how franchisees operate or franchises operate. Um, wow. This, yeah, like where, my question for this is where would it end? Exactly, right. I can all, I can see McDonald's concerns. Um, yeah, like that. that's a huge change where 
to say that franchises that uh you know that like that that's a business that is a business that has formed and bought the license to operate as a store like McDonald's or a Subway or anything mm-hmm. else but like I worked for Duckery Burger King when I was a teenager <laughs> okay. so it was a Burger King like it, it it was advertised as Burger King that's the company mm-hmm. you're buying a burger from <clears throat> right but it, it was Duckery Duckery was the business my paycheck said Duckery not Burger King mm-hmm. So right. Duckery was my employer. So th- this is really weird because, like, your employees of the franchise are not employees of McDonald's, but now McDonald's is going to be responsible for someone else hiring those people and that's, paying them. That's and... what it sounds like. That, yeah, that's what it sounds like. It's like there's no up, there's no upside for McDonald's for that. I mean. But I don't I don't disagree with them looking at it and going, well, they're they are responsible because McDonald's does set the menu. McDonald's does mm-hmm. say what equipment you need to buy. They do say what uh, what um, uh, uniforms you need to wear and, and all of yeah. those other mm-hmm. things. So I, I don't know where employees would be different. But right. But then at what level? At what level does it? change because like for for you and me we used to work at harris chester which is now harris philly it's a racetrack it was owned by harris we worked for teleview racing patrol which was another company mm-hmm. so we are employees of teleview but harris contracted us to be there and do the program so would that make us and uh, you know indirectly employees of harris and would they need to be involved with disputes and all that so yet we were we were it's just weird because we were granted some freedoms that Harris employees didn't have. We were allowed to bet on horse racing. We were Obviously, allowed to bet in Harris general. We could go right play Harris slot employees machines couldn't do that. Obviously, you work for a casino, you can't bet. Right. But I mean the whole the whole franchising thing is is to me it's a lot of landmines. My brother used to be part of the videotape library franchise. Oh wow. And I think he actually had sued to break free and change the name of the store to Videotape Center. Because there were so many stipulations and so many rules and you can't do this and you have to do that. You know, he wanted to have a porn section, you know. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, you got to – that was the big seller. And when the video stores started to, you know, be phased out, that was the only thing that kept him in business. So, <laughs> you know, he broke away, became Videotape Center, and he could do whatever he wanted then. So but there's – there's a special room. In Hershey, there's – it used to be called A to Z Video. It was like an independent uh, video rental area or video rental store. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were there for forever. And they did have a porn section. Mm-hmm. And I remember turning 18 and going in there and, and like seeing all the stuff and, you know, not really caring all that much. It all looked like trash. But that there was that porn room off to the side. And then after A to Z went under, it was a number of restaurants it was a revolving door of restaurants that came in and out but they kept and the now, porn room though they kept the porn room there well right? that that's the thing <laughs> uh the restaurant there is kana indian bistro and they are phenomenal people drive in from like new jersey to eat there but the okay. the um the kitchen is in the porn room of the old <laughs> video store <laughs> There's a weird mojo going on in that food. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Like, 
Yeah, you think uh, of all the people back there sweating no, their butts off, cooking food, thinking, yeah. No tahini I, for me, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to pass on the tzatziki, thank you. That's a... All right, Clorox all Company. Right, Clorox. Clorox Company shares dropped after the company reduced its financial projections due to a cybersecurity attack that occurred over the summer. The company's revised estimates anticipate sales to decrease by up to 28%. Should that be decreased by down to 28%? And attribute the downturn to disruptions, including order processing delays and significant product shortages resulting from the cyber attack. Since revealing the attack in August, Clorox shares have decreased by nearly 18%. Wow, that's a lot. This is crazy because, I mean, like a week or two ago, the big story was that MGM went down and and couldn't fulfill hotel rooms or or gambling or anything else Mm -hmm. because of a cyber attack that disrupted everything. Mm -hmm. And it's really weird to see because before it was just like ransomware where it's like, okay, we're going to take all of your hospital's patient information and we're not going to give it back unless Mm -hmm. you give us $15 million or whatever it is now. Now people are doing all these attacks that are just shutting down all these corporations. Like, it's crazy that you can't buy bleach because, you know, their their logistics system was hacked. <laughs> I I mean, what's the um I don't know what's the motivation for something like that? Um, they're not doing ransomware like you said. They just have a thing against Clorox. <laughs> I hate you, Clorox. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you and all your bleach. <laughs> I hate clean clothes. I drank you and I still got COVID. (laughs) Screw you for eliminating dirt and grime. (laughs) All right. Really cool shirts. Where are we now? I'm lost. Intel plans to conduct an initial public offering for its programmable, programmable solutions group, PSG division, potentially yielding a multi-billion dollar influx, while the PSG unit, which focuses on field programmable gate array chips, is currently valued around $16 billion. Some analysts project that it could be worth $19-23 billion by its IPO. Amidst these changes, Intel aims to retain a majority stake in PSG and is looking into private investments to boost its growth. As the company seeks additional funding to bolster its artificial intelligence chip capabilities and compete with rivals like NVIDIA and AMD. Um, Skynet, man. Skynet. Not even that. Like, don't don't you see this as being so completely unoriginal? It's like, well, NVIDIA stock is going up, and AMD IPO'd, so we should we should split off our business because. Uh, we're not doing well enough with computer chips and cell phone chips, so uh, let, let's spin off another company. Why not, right? Why not? What's the worst that can happen? Uh, speaking of picks of the week. Uh, yes. <laughs> picks this, of the week. This one here I, I don't really see. but uh, All right, let's, uh, let's roll them dice, Carvo. Uh, we five random companies. I'll, I'll uh, bring up the name of a company. You tell me if you would buy or, buy or not. Alrighty. Procter and Gamble. Okay. Buy. I believe that's one of the uh, one of the um, uh, what's his name? Um, never mind. But I will buy it. Warren right, Buffett. Thank insight. you. I believe it's one of his. <laughs> I believe it's one of his. Uh, I believe it's one of Warren Buffett's cornerstone stocks, or one of them that he keeps in his portfolio. So I'm gonna 
think he knows a little bit about it, so I'm going to buy. It might be. I would I would love to find out that is not true at all and that he hates Procter & Gamble, <laughs> just to make you look like a moron, <laughs> but um, I'll, I will take to your To be honest with you, it. I just randomly say stuff. I randomly say stuff. I don't. I not figure. I'll look later on to see if it's true. Right. Uh, I would not buy it. Salesforce. Okay. Why not? Uh, I wouldn't buy it because uh, I, I think that they have too much stuff and there's too much competition. And um, okay. I don't think it's the right time. Okay. Salesforce. Not buy. I would not buy either. They're having too many problems. Uh, and and there's still a problem with office space in San Francisco. So uh, no. Chevron, I know you've been big okay. on energy lately. Buy. Buy just because it's energy. I um I would wait probably until after 45 days for everything to really tank after all the government shutdown talks and I would mm-hmm. buy right right before they resolve that. Delta Airlines. Um I stay away from airlines. I lost too much money on previous airlines. I agree, no buy. Okay. Estee Lauder. Um, I would say no. I don't. No reason other than. I mean, I don't know their products. <laughs> other than wearing nail polish, I do not wear makeup or have not worn makeup, so that is you a should. no. <laughs> I do not currently wear, wear nail polish. I, punk rock kid, used to wear a lot of it, I but uh. Just do nail. I just do eye. I just do eyeliner. You know, it highlights my hazel eyes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm much too lazy anyway. All right, a word out there to all of our listeners. Thank you for listening. Please share our show with any of your friends. Also, please uh, rate our show in uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you do listen to our show. But again, please do tell a friend about the show. If you do feel like supporting us, go to patreon.com slash stockgamblers where you can support our show and get access to our virtual stock exchange competition. Mr. Christopher Carbonara. Looks like we're going to talk about some expert picks from our buddies at Motley Cruel. Um, it's going to be, uh, instead of having two picks, Motley Cruel this week has a pick and then they have a sell. So the first, we're going to start with their pick. Viatris is charting a transformative course with a primary focus on lessening its debt and unlocking new growth avenues. In 2022, the company announced a series of divestments from non-core sectors, including its over-the-counter products and women's healthcare divisions. This decision is complemented by the repayment of $181 million of its long-term obligations in quarter two. Furthermore, the company gained FDA's tentative nod for a daily HIV treatment for children and clinched the 238th spot on Time's list of the world's best companies in 2023. The initial concerns about Viatris revolved around its sizable debt juxtaposed against waning revenues. However, the company's strategic shifts and operational changes suggest a renewed focus on financial stability and growth. Notably, Viatris is broadening its reach into the Asian market, hinting at a potential growth trajectory. Despite facing headwinds, the firm maintains profitability and a commendable cash flow underscored by a low profits-to-earning ratio below 7. In conclusion... While Viatris may not align with the risk appetite of every investor, it presents an enticing proposition for those scouting for a seasoned pharmaceutical player. The company's commitment to paying a robust dividend, currently standing at around 4.9%, and its position in an industry with perennial demand positions Viatris as a potential asset for discerning portfolios. Now, on the flip side of that, 
the friends, our friends at Motley uh, Cruel also recommend that you sell off all of your New Relic. Sell your shares of New Relic. It's funny because I remember when they were really hot on New Relic a while back, and now they're saying sell, sell, sell. Our scorecard will close the position at the end of the day, but there is no particular urgency for members to sell. Well, then why say sell? Our sell recommendation is based on an impending buyout, which is expected to close later this year or early next year. So you do have some time. In addition, this is an all-cash transaction, so if you never get around to selling your shares, they will automatically be sold when the deal closes. So, buy Viatris, sell your new relic. Good to know. Now we can hear some Baron picks. All right. From Barron's, General Dynamics is a dependable U.S. prime contractor with long-term contracts for iconic military assets and a growing Gulf Stream business jet segment. Despite an 11% stock dip in 2023, Defense spending shows no slowdown signs except for government shutdown, and the company has a promising outlook with a backlog worth of $91 billion, including high-priority defense contracts. Amidst potential volatility due to a government shutdown, analysis suggests that the stock's potential dip would present an attractive buying opportunity for investors. This... Um this type of stock to me is particularly frustrating because I don't like stocks that um, get their riches off of the government, you know, by sucking on the government teat and then getting mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. and then passing all of its money on to shareholders. I think that that's ridiculous that they can, uh, mm-hmm. you know, profit from the government and, and push that profit on to investors that are right. just taking taxpayer taxpayer dollars um but um i i don't know how i feel about this i mean this is one of the contractors involved in the f-35 which is a piece Mm -hmm. of crap um i mean sure like any like any stock you can watch you can wait for the dip and, and buy it will likely stay afloat but uh where i am hesitant is Boeing is another one of these companies that uh, mm-hmm. works on the same model and they haven't paid dividends in a couple of years. So there's always the potential that the money is going to dry up. Um, yeah. As usual, I don't agree with the experts. And you never know what the regime's going to come in. You know, next, next wave of government might be like, let's cut defense, let's cut spending. Next wave might be like, hey, let's spend more money. It's, it's like anything else. It's a crapshoot. Yeah. All right, what about your picks? Break out that big, beautiful brain of yours. Well, that big, beautiful brain of mine uh, is going to do what you did last week. I don't really have any picks this week, but I did want to talk a little bit about our our, our, um, our buddy Tilray. So I have no picks this week. I have Zilch Zero, Denata, Bupkis, but I was fretting about the roller coaster that is Tilray. Then when I saw that they were reaching out to their Robinhood customers, I, I took note of it, and um, recently they held a Q&A session with Robinhood customers to kind of allay their fears. There was um, a basically you could log into it. You look at a bunch of questions, and if you liked the question, you upvoted them. And if you didn't like the questions, you downvoted them. Some questions were really complicated. Some questions were silly. Some questions were semi-serious. But the below question, simple as it is, was upvoted over 900 times, including by myself. So one of the retail stockholders asked, why should we keep investing in Tilray? And I'm going to read you the quote from Erwin Simon, chief executive officer and chairman of Tilray. 
He said, I hope by our results today and some of the things that we're doing that, number one, investors believe in the management team and believe in our strategy. Some don't believe in our strategy, but I will tell you, we have a defined strategy. We have a structured strategy with a lot of processes and a lot of levers that we're ultimately pulling to have a structured strategy. <laughs> we are, secondly, a very diversified business, but ultimately, how do they all come together under one common denominator? We're not just a cluster of a bunch of products, brands, and categories. And upon legalization, we have multiple brands that can convert to cannabis. Ultimately, we have tremendous amount of growth. We have a tremendous amount of production. We, with our beer and our spirits business, we are one of the only ones with two cannabis grow facilities in Europe where we have a great medical platform. So we're different than most other cannabis companies. We're different than most other craft beer businesses. We're different than any other healthier food business with our hemp Manitoba harvest. We are absolutely different. We are a big believer in building brands, brand equity, brand equity, brand equity. I think I'm <laughs> going to stop short on this quote from now because uh, it's it's – it's all double talk to me. Um, a structured it's a strategy. Same. Yeah. Structured strategy. A structured strategy. We're gonna have a structured strategy. But I, I, I like the fact that they were able to do that for with Robinhood. But I don't think their answers were any anything that were groundbreaking or anything. So to recap, I don't have any picks, but I am curious as to why Tilray isn't doing as well as it should. So that's why I did the Q and A. So as we've mentioned on this show, I'm a big fan of Tilray. Um, I believe that. They do have a pretty bright future ahead of them because I, I believe that they are uniquely positioned in both alcohol and cannabis better than probably any other company in the world right now because they're mm -hmm. they're all in on both. When I don't I don't know another right. company that is comparable other than Constellation, but Constellation just bought um, shares of Canopy. They didn't really. Um, you know, they're, they're not all under the, the same corporate umbrella. They're just a company that owns mm -hmm. another company, um, okay. or stock in another company. So I, I, I agree with him there, but this is all just, oh yeah. Tilray, 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 Tilray. We're, we're great. Tilray, Tilray, vote up stock bros. Like <laughs> that's exactly what it was. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> like it's a, it's a hell of a lot of spin and I, I no answer, no substance. I find discomfort going, looking at this. Why should I keep investing in Hill, Tilray? And they come up with all of this when the real right. question shouldn't be, why should I keep investing in Tilray to to bring the price up? It, it shouldn't it be his job to increase the value of the company so the price increases on think, itself. Like I would think this so. is just. Yeah, this is just keep pumping your money in. Come on, let's GameStop the hell if, out of this. If you keep buying more, it's going to go up. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's you, your fault. It's you your keep, fault it's not going right, up. Right. If you keep buying more, the turd will up flush. <laughs> if, you, if you don't buy more, oh, the turd is going to get nice clogged. Nice callback. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice callback. <laughs> right. So, uh, uh, yeah, that – wow, that is uh, – a great marketing uh, pitch by him, but I, I don't agree right. with that, even though I'm all exactly. in on Tilray. I'm all in on him, too, but I just thought that was really funny. I, I had to yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for bringing that up. You, no one can argue that we don't uh, we don't kick the, the shins of the companies that we do like. Right. Yeah, exactly. 
my two picks for this Have week you? is I am thinking about uh, the upcoming flu season. Uh-huh. And for for some reason, I think Moderna and CSL, between uh, all of the boosters out there, those two companies are, are going to gain in value just by sales. So uh, okay, um, I don't have any quantifiable metrics behind it or any, any good data that points to anything. This is all just shooting Doesn't off matter. the hip, just a, a gut feeling. I think right. Moderna for uh, COVID vaccines and flu sh- and flu type of things and, and CSL with influenza, I, I think that those are going to increase the, the volume that they do and increase the stock price in both of those. Nice. So, so far right now they're trading at $104, but they're down 17% this past year. So maybe the flu season will bring them back. Maybe. We'll see. All right. Anything you want to add, talk about, or uh, just in general want to make fun of me for? Well, I mean, there is a lot on on, <laughs> on any of those any of those things. Um, no, I think I'm good. I, I don't want to make fun of you too much because whatever I say comes back ten times against me. So I only took me thirty <laughs> years to learn that lesson. I made fun of my sister's nose, and then I, my nose got big. I made fun of my dad's hair falling out. I lost my hair, so I, I got to stop doing that. So I. I agree, but it's always still fun. <laughs> well, uh, well, that reminds me. Are you down this weekend? No, I, uh, I'll i be looking to go to the shore last two weekends in October. Okay. I will see you there then. I'll go down then as well. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening. If, uh, if you want to write in, you have any suggestions or uh, apparently uh, people all want to be on the show. So if you yourself would want to be a special visitor. <laughs> Um, anyway, any way you want to contact us, you can email us at stockgamblershow at gmail.com. You can find our website at stockgamblers.net. And uh, until then, uh, keep on gambling. Keep on gambling on those stocks. Bye. <laughs>